I like my star because it's up real high and it can't be vandalized. I use it as my Facebook picture so everybody knows that I'm not another John Smith. That's DJ Smitty, a mainstay of First Avenue, and one of the few staff members who has a star on the building's outside wall. Throughout the season, we've dug into several of the biggest music moments at First Avenue. But to tell you the truth, there are hundreds more stories that we could tell, as symbolized by the white stars that line the venue's black exterior walls. Around 440 stars feature names of artists who have played the venue in big capital letters. Each one has a compelling story behind it, whether it's a hidden local gem or a legendary show. Some are dedicated to community members, such as longtime staffers or even a former mayor. I'm Cecilia Johnson. This is The Current Rewind, the show putting music's unsung stories on the map. The stars have become part of First Avenue's identity. Soon after the coronavirus pandemic started, the venue partnered with Vans to sell a star-covered shoe to boost income. Earlier in the year, it created an Instagram filter which matched the user to one of their stars. Even so, the stars are something you might take for granted until they're gone, like Sonia Grover found out when they repainted the wall in 2010. So when we did it, we initially painted the building white, right? Would you call it like whitewashing or whatever? Primary. Yeah, we primed primed the building. We we peeled the paint. people were freaking out. Talent buyer Sonia Grover has been with First Avenue since 1998. We talked to her and general manager Nate Kranz pre-pandemic. Because they were like, they had no idea. We didn't tell them what we were doing. We're like, we're just going to repaint the stars, whatever. It's our 40th anniversary and decided it was a good, as good a time as any. But again, we didn't alert the public. And we got, oh, my God, our social media feeds and phone lines and emails were blowing up from people. Like, a lot of them scared that we were not going to put the stars back up. And then some of them like, why didn't you tell us? Sonia started at the club in 1998. But even before then, when she first visited Minneapolis, she says she made her dad take her to see First Avenue. Because obviously it's a legendary club. I'd heard a lot about it, and I wanted to go there and see, just see it. Like, I didn't know anything about it. It wasn't open for a show. And then I got there, and I was like, holy cow, look at all these awesome band names on the side of the wall. And then I found, you know, the replacement star, took a picture of it, still have it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's obviously very impressive whether or not you grew up from here, especially when you look at some of those names. I, you know, I walk to work a lot and, you know, sometimes I'll walk down First Avenue, sometimes I'll walk down 7th Street. And not every day, but often I feel like, oh my God, I didn't realize that star was there. Did this person really play at First Avenue? But even so, it's a little bit of a, like a trip to see some of those names on the wall, even after working at First Ave for all those years. A marketing idea from the 80s has become a hallmark of Minneapolis, a living document commemorating legendary shows and local artists. Over the years, it's become the Minnesota version of Hollywood's Walk of Fame, where people come to pay tribute to artists and pose for photos. It also stands as a testament to First Avenue itself, as a 50-year-old independent music venue booking an eclectic mix of acts. The marketing project first began in the 80s with Steve McClellan as general manager. He and the club parted ways in 2005. Steve and longtime door staffer Richard Luca said staff collaborated on picking the names, but the process evidently wasn't anything ceremonious enough to remember today. 
I think it was a teamwork. The DJs had an input. That was a combination of people. When they first went up, I certainly didn't trust me totally. I didn't even know I had as much input as you're giving me. I thought I just said, here, get this done. I, I didn't. <laughs> well, that's uh, the thing about the stars is, is that I remember when the, they first started putting that up, and I go, oh, this idea isn't going to float. And it was like, <laughs> well, remember, I was wrong. You know, my best. The project friend. took several weeks. The painter, Steve's brother Kevin, would work on Sundays when traffic was slow, so he wouldn't have to worry about splashing paint on cars. The first time we did it, it was a total painting. Mm-hmm. We had to scrape off all the old. It was like totally painting it black and then putting the stars on. Well, Kevin was like the maintenance guy f- for years. He would come down on a Sunday. I remember Christmas Eve, he had to come down. He'd do it. First Avenue has repainted their walls multiple times, occasionally replacing names with new ones. During the most recent repainting, Prince's star was moved closer to the main entrance, about four or five feet off the ground. When he died, his star turned into a gathering site for fans to pay tribute. And his star got a surprise coat of paint. Here's what longtime employee and photographer Dan Corrigan remembers. I was working on the ceiling coming down, and I got a text, oh my God, Prince is dead. And I walked over to the window right above his star, and I saw the first lady coming over with some flowers clutched to her breast, sobbing, and she laid it down. Very first thing to go down there, and I thought, God, this is going to be huge. This is just, this is going to be huge. And I was totally right. Um, so three days after he passed away, I come in, and the star is gold. And it's like, well, I'm really surprised that I don't know anything about this. turns out it was some of the people from his uh, art department at Paisley came and did it. And they didn't paint it gold. They actually applied gold leaf, which was, like, really beautiful. Generally, the venue redoes its wall about every 10 years, which is when they make bigger changes like moving stars or adding new artists. But they also add names sporadically, sometimes without much fanfare or sometimes to surprise a guest of honor. Right now, about 80 of the stars are dedicated to Minnesotans. They include former mayor of Minneapolis, R.T. Ryback, who really wanted to talk about his star in his interview with me. G.R.T., what's it like to have a star on the wall of First Avenue? You could ask, perhaps. Oh, let's see. You know, I was just thinking about the stars the other day, and I thought, well, doesn't the former mayor of Minneapolis have a star on the wall? Could you tell that story? Yes. I would say that of all of the wonderful things that I got as part of being a mayor. Um, one, two, or three is the idea of having a star on First Avenue. I didn't want to have a big, stupid, stuffy gala dinner when I left office. I said, let's let's do this party at First Avenue. And my friend Peter Taylor named it the inaugural. And it was super fun. And we did all this. But as I was walking up to go there, I turned the corner and there's this star, which just blew me away. It was just the coolest thing. I would, a number of months later, have a heart attack. I'm certain that's where it began, is when I first saw the star at first time. I was really, really excited. (laughs) We really wanted to ask more people about their stars in person. But then the pandemic sent many of us home. So we asked local artists what the honor meant to them and had them send a voice memo. This is Tina Shalesky, who led Tina and the B-Sides. After taking off in Minneapolis, the New Wave group broke into the national scene in the late 80s and 90s. I can't really remember how I found out about our star, but I do remember the feeling I had was just immense pride 
And if I'm honest, probably a little disbelief. Um, but I also had this feeling of validation. You know, growing up in the Minneapolis music scene, First Avenue was it. It was the ultimate goal to get a show there. I mean, even to this day, playing First Avenue is such a thrill. Just thinking about all the other bands and artists that have played there, all that sweat soaked into that stage, it just makes you want to play better. I think it's because First Avenue just reflected everything that was and is Minneapolis. The the scene, the musicians, the love of music that city has and, and continues to have. Playing First Avenue meant you arrived. And having a star on the wall helps you to remember that it wasn't just a dream, that it, it actually really happened. Karen Grotberg played keyboard and sang for the Jayhawks, an influential alt-country group from Minneapolis. Fun fact, the Jayhawks Spotify profile pic is a photo of their First Avenue star. I can say that those iconic stars seem like some sort of family tree. They're a visual representation of not only the history of First Avenue, but also uh, the connection people feel to the place. I mean, whether you're a friend or you're a fan. It's a familiar place, kind of a musical home. You know, the room, the stage the friends who work there and who strive to keep it going. I can't imagine the city without this venue. First Avenue has a long and rich history, and I'm honored to be a part of it, stars and all. The Wallets, a Twin Cities band from the 80s, were known for their new wavy polka punk sound. Here's saxophonist Max Ray. We played clubs and bars all over the place, and the fact is First Avenue was by far the best. Steve McClellan was a phenomenon as a club manager, passionate about bringing music to the community, and a very entertaining guy besides. The Wallets got a star in the first installation on the outside of the building, though I don't really remember where it was. Then the stars were redone, and the Wallets star was moved to the top of the chimney over the front of the building. It's not good for selfies, of course, but I don't care about that. What I like is that the light from the billboard shines on it, so it can always be seen day or night. Thank you, First Ave, for a lifetime of good music and good vibes. Keep it up. This bonus episode was produced by Jackie Ranzetti and me, Cecilia Johnson. It was hosted by me and mixed by Johnny Vince Evans. The current Rewind is made possible in part by the Minnesota Legacy Amendments Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. It is a production of Minnesota Public Radio's The Current.